Hey Phantomorphs, Daniel here with another pre-show note. Uh, sorry again about missing last week. Some sudden stuff came up for me in my life that made recording uh, just a little difficult. And then kind of simultaneously, uh, because of course, when something goes wrong, everything goes wrong. Uh, Naeem's work life got like very intense very quickly and the scheduling between us just... Uh, it, it didn't pan out for us. Um, we both got stuff going on that, that it's just not working. Which is a shame, but you know that's uh, that's life when you're uh, when you're two adults with jobs. Just sometimes things don't go how you'd like them to. Um, but you know, uh, thank you, Naeem, for volunteering, and thank you for the few chapters you did. Um, this is amicable, but uh, I will be taking over Dakami moving forward and for the rest of the book. Uh, did my best to try to stay within the same sort of vibe Naeem laid down for me, and I hope it's not too jarring. Um, so thanks again for your patience and understanding, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Chapter 8 Esplin 9466 It didn't take long for me to become the reigning expert on Andalites. No one else cared, but I was fascinated. I had seen only for a few moments through the Ged's eyes, but I could try to imagine the life of a four-eyed Andalite. I had to stretch my imagination to picture what it would be like to run. To live most of your life directly under the sun and the stars, with only a transparent atmosphere to protect you. How can a yerk, used to the warm intimacy of a yerk pool, truly understand what it is like to have four legs, to run, to see, to feel, to manipulate objects at will with delicate, precise hands, to have a deadly tail? It's not possible. Not really. But I came closer to understanding than anyone else in the pool. I inserted my palps into the computer interface, and I read with virtual eyes. And I used that computer simulation of sight to watch, again and again, every stored visual image, still or moving. Slowly, slowly, I began to understand my enemy, to understand their impressive strengths, but also to see their weaknesses. The Andalites might have been the dominant species in this arm of the galaxy, but they were not invincible. Months went by, and slowly the memory of those few amazing moments in the Ged faded. Others were called to assume hosts. I was not. But then, it happened. Palp to palp, the message came to me. Esplin 9466, to the infestation pier. There was a new species to try. After failures with the Hajabrons, and only the few Ongachiks, our wandering assemblage of spacecraft had found a new planet. With new creatures. Three had been seized from the surface and brought aboard. One was for me. I was not briefed. 
I was not given any explanation. I was simply to swim to the infestation pier and wait. I waited, desperate to control my own excitement. A host! Any host, so long as it had eyes! Suddenly, I felt the splash as the head was thrust beneath the surface. My senses felt for and found the ear opening. I rushed, afraid that I might fail somehow, afraid this chance would be taken from me. Instantly, I knew this creature was very different from a ged. Entry was much easier. The ear canal was large and unobstructed. I released my toxins to numb and dilate the ear, but I wondered if it was even necessary. I slithered and squeezed till my palps touched the brain. Ah! Very different from the ged brain. The brain was divided into lobes. Two fairly smooth. One deeply wrinkled. I sank myself into the wrinkles, into the cracks between the lobes, and then I tied into the brain. It was not the shock of that first infestation, but it was a revelation. Hearing was excellent, the sense of smell almost as good as my own. I opened the eyes. Ah! I cried silently. I had thought the Ged's vision was all that vision could be, but this creature's eyes were wonderful. The colors so vivid, the lines so clear. I could see depth with amazing precision. I looked around at the room. Once again, I saw the limited narrow yerk pool that was my whole universe. But my eyes were drawn not to the ship around me, but to my new personal ship, this body. One thing was instantly apparent. This was no Ged. This was no Hajibran or Ongachik. This body reminded me of the Andalite bodies. It would be fast. It would be powerful. It would be... dangerous. I opened the creature's memory, looking for its own pictures of its life. I wanted to know what it could do. I felt a resistance, a mind within the brain. Stronger than the tired, beaten Ged. This creature was attempting to fight me. There was only one possible response. Total and complete control. Get out! Get out! The creature screamed in silence. Scream all you like, I sneered. You belong to me now! The creature's mind began to race, searching for some way to stop me. But, of course, there was none. It threatened. It cried. It begged. I felt its desperation, its panic, its fear, and I laughed at the feeble attempt to throw me off. Threaten me? I said, mind to mind. What will you do? Your body is mine now. Your eyes are mine. Your limbs are mine. I was giddy. I was in a state of ecstasy. I could crush this mind with ease. It was sad, almost. How easily I defeated the creature. It was feeble compared to me. It had no power to throw me off. No power to retain control. I opened the creature's memory and looked. At first, the images were wild, insane, inexplicable. But then, the context became clearer. I used more of the memories to get a better understanding. I saw the world of the creature through its own eyes. I saw its fellows, 
its friends. I saw its life. Stripping bark for food. Leaping through the tall trees. Sitting at night and telling stories handed down from generation to generation. Well, Asplin 9466, what do you think? It took a moment for me to make sense of the sounds. I listened to see if I could find the source of the sound. And then it occurred to me. I could use the sense of sight. I could use sight and sound together to pinpoint the source of the sound. I looked. I moved my eyes and looked again. Two geds stood nearby. I knew that one was Janeth 429, a very old yerk and very wise. The other was Akdor 1154. It was Akdor who had led the uprising against the Andalites. It was Akdor who had first understood the concept of using a host body to act as a predator. It was Akdor who had personally killed four of the Andalite scum. Akdor moved his ged mouthparts and spoke. I roster what you think. You study their Andalites. Can this body be used to fight the Andalites? It was Gallard, the new language we had learned from the Ongachik hosts. It is the common intergalactic language. The Yurk language was impossible to speak with Ged mouths. Even Gallard came out distorted. I lowered my eyes and looked down at the body I now owned. I saw blades in several locations. Blades that were used for stripping the edible bark from trees. It was all so new. So new to all of us. We didn't know anything about the galaxy then. But I tried to imagine. I saw an Andalite. I pictured this new creature. I placed them together in my imagination. It was hard. Hard to imagine with sight. Yes, I said in a harsh, guttural voice. These creatures will be our weapons. Akdor and Janath stared at me. Then we will take this species, Akdor announced. We will make them ours. This planet is where we make our stand. On this planet, we will build the foundations of a true Yurkempire. I was there. Do you understand what this moment was? What it meant? I was there when Actor announced the birth of the Yurk Empire. So what are these creatures called? Janeth asked me. I was surprised. Neither Actor nor Janeth knew the name of the species whose doom they had pronounced. I searched my new memory, ignoring the pitiful wailing cries that came from the shadow of the creature himself. They call themselves Hork-Bajir, Akdor. Hork-Bajir. Chapter 9 Doc Hummy What is that sound? Eldria asked. I have heard it before, always at this time of night. It is the speaking trees, I said.
It was seven weeks since Aldria had become a Chadu for the first time. Since then, she had done it again, more than once. But this night, she was Andalite. I liked it best when she was Andalite. I could not care about a Chadu. I did care about Aldria, the Andalite. She had taught me. She had shown me an entire universe unknown to my people. I was still greedy for knowledge, but Aldria had begun to say that I knew all she knew. Was this true? It didn't matter. I needed Aldria the way the leaves need Mother Sky. There was no one else for me to talk to. In many ways, I was no longer hork But when we were together, and I looked at her delicate shape, I knew that I was not Andalite, either. Your trees have the gift of communication, like Andalite trees? She asked. No, I said, smiling. Aldria had said that Andalite trees could speak in a way. Guide trees. Garibas. But I was not sure I believed it. Our trees did not speak. We call it the language of the trees, but it is only what we hork use as our primitive communicators. At night, the great sounds speak from across the valley. It is how we speak with our brothers and sisters of the other two tribes in the valley. The sound is made by stretched vines. The vine is soaked in rain. Then it is stretched tight, vertically, between high branches and low branches. Three of these vines are strung this way, all in one chosen tree. The tree must be a very old Nawan tree, for Nawan trees become hollow with age. One vine must be ten times the height of a hork The second must be seven heights. The smallest, five heights. Two hork climb out on branches and hold a long, straight sapling. This sapling is drawn across the vine, creating a deep sound. Resonance, Eldria said. It's almost a type of music. Yes, sad music tonight, I said. It is the southern tribe. They tell us that three of their people have been taken to Father Deep. I listened some more to the low, long, sad notes that vibrated around the valley, echoing from the walls. They say that Father Deep has created new monsters. They are... small. That's strange. The monsters of the deep are always larger than us. Yet these were small. Two legs. Long arms. Yellow eyes. Suddenly, I felt Aldria's hand grab my arm above the wrist blade. It was not the first time she had touched me. Usually, I enjoyed the fact that she would grab me for balance or playfully slap me in pretend upset, or take my hand as we watched the sun turn red. But this was different. 
Can you ask them a question? Aldria said. Her thought-speak voice was intense. Yes, but as you can see, this system is primitive, not like an Endolite would make. Doc, your people have their own strengths, Aldria said. Ask them about these monsters. Ask them... Ask them whether these monsters moved in a clumsy, unbalanced way when they walked. I hesitated for a moment. My people had accepted that I was a seer, but I was still young. It was not for me to ask those of the speaking tree to transmit messages. But Aldrea seemed determined, upset, or as upset as an Andalite ever becomes. They are not an emotional people. So I turned and cried into the darkness, shouting toward the speaking tree. And a moment later, the much louder, closer sound of our own speaking tree rang out. A deep, mournful sound that echoed down the valley. What is it that you fear, Aldria? I asked her. I'm not sure, she said. You do not know if your fear is realized, Aldria, I pointed out. But you know what your fear is. Aldria laughed. You keep surprising me, Doc. Every day you're sharper, smarter. You learn so quickly. Your use of language, your perception, it's incredible. You could enroll in any Andalite Academy tomorrow and... Thank you. I interrupted her. I have learned from you. I have even learned to recognize when someone is trying to avoid answering a question. Aldria formed the strange and delight smile with her eyes. I deserved that. Since you ask, I will tell you. What I'm afraid of is... But just then, the answer was coming from the southern tribe. They say... These monsters walked in a strange way, as if their legs were different sizes, I translated. The smile disappeared from Aldria's eyes. They are, she said. Their legs are different lengths. We never could figure out why they evolved that way. Who are they? They're called Gens, Aldria said. Are they from another planet, like Andalites? Yes, but the Geds aren't the problem. The problem is what those Geds represent. She turned all her eyes on me. Doc, you are the seer. You were born, you say, because your people would need you. Yes, I was born a seer because you Andalites were coming. We had need of one who could learn from you. I thought it was that too, Aldria said softly. But we were both wrong. You were not born because of the coming of Andalites. You were born because the Yurks are here. Chapter 10 Aldria What are Yurks? Doc Hami asked me. I sighed. 
They are another species, different from you or me, from Hork-Bajir or Endolite. Hork-Bajir and Endolites both walk freely in the world. We eat bark or grass. The Yurks are different. Are they predators? You taught me about predators. Once again, I was shocked. In the course of a few months, Doc Hami had gone from speaking a sort of childish pigdin to speaking as well as I. His grasp of concepts was sure and swift. The gap between him and the other Hork-Bashir was vast and growing every day. The gap between him and any Endolite... Well, there no longer was an intellectual gap. They are not predators, at least not in the usual way. They are parasites. You see, they... What? They what? Doc pressed. But my brain had just stopped working. Frozen. And then, quite suddenly, it began to race in sheer panic. Oh no! No! They're in orbit! I cried. The Yurks? They're in orbit! This is the time of night when my father beams his report back to the home world. If they're in orbit, they might intercept the message. I was already running, flat out, tail tucked down, laboring, gasping as my muscles screamed from the pain of fighting the ever-present slope. Doc loped along as fast as he could, but on the ground, I was faster than him. I left him behind. With my stock eye turned back, I saw him leap into the trees. He would move better up there, in his natural element. But Doc was no longer my concern. I had to stop my father from broadcasting. I had to stop that transmission. I was two miles from the scoop. Two miles of the weird running required on this planet. Serpentine, up a few yards, down a few, advancing always, but adding twice the distance. It was simply impossible to run any other way. Uphill, downhill, running around the massive trees. I was extremely upset by the time I came in sight of the lights of the scoop. Upset because I knew in my hearts it was too late. My father was always very precise, very punctual. And my internal clock told me that the message had gone out 15 minutes ago. Still, I ran. I could make out the lights of the scoop. I could see shadows and silhouettes as my father or mother or brother moved in front of the lights. I could imagine every detail. My mother, working at her computer, entering a precise DNA analysis of some strange new flower she'd found. My brother playing a hollow game, lancing imaginary enemy ships. My father. My father standing quietly on his own, thinking, remembering, imagining, dreaming his hopeful dreams. That is the picture I want to hold on to, forever. Not what happened next. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. It's me, again, Daniel. I'm still here. Uh, thank you for listening. I don't have any other announcements in the back end here other than the general stuff. You know, if you'd like to reach me, you can do that uh, through so many ways. You can do that through Gmail. That's audiomorphscast at gmail.com. You can do that 
through Tumblr. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. You can do that through my website, theapocalypse.com. That's the apocalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. And uh, of course, you can reach me on Twitter too, if you'd like. That's at audiomorphs. And that Twitter is what you should check if, like last week, I didn't post something. I will make some sort of announcement on that Twitter. Uh, if you use Apple Podcasts and like the, would like to leave me a rating and review, I sure would appreciate it, um, but no pressure. And um, just as a brief heads up, my birthday is at the end of the month. Happy birthday, me. Um, so I'm probably going to post, but if I don't, it's because I'm celebrating my birthday. So, you know. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get out of here. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>